The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Anthony Cazenza here with the Orange and Black Insider and CincyJungle.com. Happy to be with all of you. Fresh off of my weekend in Cincinnati, watching the Bengals get a big win in person. I loved it. Loved meeting so many of you. And uh, so many of you out there were, were kind to us. And it was a lot of fun being out there, watching the Bengals, catching the sights, checking out the city. We also checked out the University of Cincinnati football game. So pretty dang good weekend as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sure the same can be said for all of you Bengals fans. I apologize for those of you who I think, yeah, Brian, Brian, uh, Brian Evans, you and I met out there. What's going on, Brian? Um, I apologize for those of you who are tuning in live, and I was a couple minutes late. There was a chirping smoke detector right outside the door in which of the room in which I record, so I had to... <laughs> I don't want you guys hearing a chirping smoke detector throughout the entire show. So uh, anyway, I had to take care of that right before I took the air, took a couple extra minutes. But good to see everybody. We're going to have a little bit of an abbreviated version of the water cooler chat today. Unfortunately, just playing catch up after being on a plane all day yesterday and getting, you know, doing family stuff, all that kind of stuff. So we've got a lot to get to in a very short period of time. I'm going to try and get to a lot of different things covering the Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North and the rest of the NFL. So we're going to get to it before we do. I want to remind everybody that this show and all of the shows at uh, on, the, on the Orange and Black Insider are brought to you by Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. It is the platform in which you can buy shares of teams like their stocks and you can trade them around. You can invest in certain teams as long plays and Make some money on teams, whether it's ones you're passionate about, ones you think are just savvy investments. And it's not just relegated to NFL football. You can do college football. You can do baseball, all of that. So if you want to make some money on the Cincinnati Bengals, especially after a 1-0 start, you got to get in soon here because since the partnership with Symbol, we have gone, I think the Bengals were at over $20 a share at the beginning of the partnership. And now they're around 60 um, as of, and that was before the win. So who knows now if you got it on the ground level, you made some good money there. But go check out Symbol. 
dot app backslash obi and you can use the promo code obi to get uh incentives in symbol gold so check that out s-i-m-b-u-l-l dot app backslash obi and we are happy to be partnering with them for the 2021 regular season we did so in the off season and whatnot so uh go check that out if you will and of course this show is always brought to you on your favorite audio streamers itunes stitcher spotify google podcasts iHeartRadio, all of the major ones, or you could subscribe to the channel. I guess it would be this side on YouTube. Subscribe to that. Turn the bells on for notifications so you know when we've got new stuff coming at you, when we go live, all that kind of stuff. Okay, good to see everybody, and I appreciate you tuning in live. Hey, let's get to a little bit of some things with the Cincinnati Bengals and their performance on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. Won a thriller, 27-24, last minute in overtime. Evan McPherson, the hero at the very end, as was CJ Uzama and all of that. So here, let, let's start with a couple of Twitter uh, Twitter bits of uh, information in terms of the offensive line and some PFF scores. Here's Andrew Russell at PFF, a great resource on Twitter. If you want to follow him at PFF underscore Andrew R. Here's how the OL looks after a full week of play with the overall PFF grade and position rank. And you see Jonah Williams 73.1, which is good for 15th of 59 qualifying tackles. Quentin Spain, fourth out of 62 qualifying guards with a 79.7 overall score. And then you see some issues at center and right guard. Trey Hopkins, 36.3, ranked 30th out of 31 centers. Right guard, Xavier Suofilo, 59.6, which is 38th out of 62 guards. So a a couple of issues in the middle there. Riley Reef, 62.2 overall. But Reef did have a 78 pass blocking score by PFF standards. And Jonah Williams was in the mid-80s for his pass blocking score. Bengals, offensive tackles, did not allow a pressure. Per PFF crediting, at least, did not allow a pressure, a sack, or a quarterback hit on Joe Burrow, which is saying something seeing as how there were five sacks on Burrow. It was interesting to see that Mike Zimmer, a guy who doesn't usually like to blitz a lot uh, in terms of extra blitzers beyond his defensive line, he brought in Nick Vigil, who got a sack. Harrison Smith got a sack on a a blitz as well. So they were able to do some different things and bring pressure up the middle with blitzes. And, of course, uh, Pierce in the middle there was was a force. He had two sacks on the day too. So uh, at, at any rate, those are some early scores there you had Akeem Davis Gaither had, had a pretty good pass blocking or uh, pass defense score on on defense there as well by PFF I, I think he was in the uh, 79.9 and then the pass blocking also where you can also credit some of those sacks Samaje Pirine and Joe Mixon who was the Joe Mixon was the team's highest rated PFF player. Um, he had a 33 pass blocking score and Samaj P. Ryan had a 30.3. So not great in the pass blocking aspects by the running backs there, but Joe Mixon did a lot of other work at 150 combined yards from scrimmage and a touchdown. So, uh, and P. Ryan had, a, had one nice run in there too. So, uh, you know, I mean, I know they weren't doing the work in the pass blocking game. Things got improved there by the backs, but uh, those are uh, those are the pass blocking grades there. Also, the uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. Let's get to some. Uh, is it? Let's get to the snap counts here. And the newcomers had a lot of snaps. And this is on CincyJungle.com. 
sharing this with you here. Okay. By Patrick Judas. This is the week one snaps and you see the headline Bengals newcomers dominate the snaps in week one versus the Vikings. Uh, so here are some of the tidbits here and I will put, I'm not going to go through every single one of these. I will go through some uh, here are, here's the link in the live chat for you all, but the Bengals were out snapped by the Vikings 83 to 69. So that's kind of interesting there. The defense was on the field quite a bit. I think there was also, you know, some scenarios in which Minnesota had some extended drives and things of that nature to kind of cause that. And of course, five full quarters of play will cause that. Um, uh, he had Jamar chase had, uh, 62 snaps at receiver, and Higgins and Boyd only had 51. Now, Higgins left the game with some cramps, so that would explain that. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Jamar Chase had the most snaps on the field of the wide receiver group. It was interesting to kind of see a, a little bit of a quiet day from Tyler Boyd. I expected a little bit more from him. He did have a couple of nice catches, but expected more from him. Darius Hodge only had one snap, so that was kind of telling a little bit as to where they think he is at. Uh, from a rotational basis, plus the Bengals were able to get a lot of great pressure from the interior. Um, Larry Joby and B.J. Hill were outstanding on Sunday, combining for three total sacks on the inside. So, um, you know, they didn't really have a lot of use for Hodge. They had a lot of snaps with Trey Hendrickson, and, uh, you know, they, they moved around guys a lot. And then, of course, you see here, here's my next point, 68 snaps by Trey Hendrickson and 72 from Sam Hubbard. So those two dominated the snap counts and you can see why there was only one snap on defense for Darius Hodge. Cam Sample was on the field on a rotational basis, 29 snaps. So, uh, and then they, they really, uh, Ogan Joby, 59 snaps, BJ Hill, only 24 snaps and had uh, two, two sacks and an additional tackle for loss, I believe. So great, great job by Larry Ogan Joby, BJ Hill, and DJ reader was one of the higher rated PFF players by the Bengals as well. So, um, on Tate, not on the field very much, just eight snaps. Uh, Logan Wilson had 72 snaps, but it was Jermaine Pratt. Uh, he had, I believe eight or nine tackles. He had the force fumble and recovery at the end of the game. There, a tackle for loss. He had a pretty good game statistically had the big play at the end there. So, um, kind of a, an interesting day overall from the linebacker group. I mentioned the high pass defense grade by Davis Gaither. He only had 16 snaps on defense. Ricardo Allen also had a pretty good PFF score as well. I had kind of assumed that the Bengals were going to run a lot of three safety sets and use Ricardo Allen out there quite a bit, which they did. Von Bell was out there. Jesse Bates was out there. Ricardo Allen was out there and they were doing all kinds of different things on defense there. So, uh, that, that kind of is a snapshot of the snap count and hopefully you can uh, follow that link that I put in the live chat there to see all of how everything played out right there. Some good news and bad news here in terms of the injury front on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals, this scary moment in the game after Joe Burrow took a sack, uh, came up limp. Uh, limping a, a bit on one of his legs and he is apparently fine and he was was you know limping off the field after a drive but he is apparently fine he had his knee worked on a bit uh, early this week but he is good to go by all reports and this is on uh, cincyjungle.com as well but Trey Waynes is out another week and that is not good news because uh 
Eli Apple was one of the defensive players, as we kind of expected, who had struggled a bit on uh, on Sunday. Unfortunately, we knew he was going to um, we knew he was going to have some issues there in relief of Trey Waynes. We knew, hey, look, even with Trey Waynes in, we we knew that the trio of offensive weapons from the Minnesota Vikings were going to be hard to corral. We knew that. And so that, that kind of proved to be the case. Uh, Eli Apple had a couple of, of issues on defense, but overall I thought the secondary played pretty well. But regardless, Trey, Trey Waynes is going to be out against Chicago. We kind of figured that may be the case. It may be about two or three games. At least we hope that that is the worst case scenario. But Zach Taylor confirmed that this week, that Joe Burrow is okay from that injury that he came up uh, limping a bit on uh, on Sunday. And then, of course, Trey Wayne's out. So not good news on the injury front on the defensive side of the ball, but some good news for Joe Burrow and company. Keeping it rolling here, this Jesse Bates contract situation was not resolved before the regular season started, which is usually when the Bengals like to take care of these kinds of things, and they did not. They simply did not get it get it done. Uh, Jesse Bates wants to be paid like a top safety, as he should. The Bengals do want to keep him, I believe, but my I'm of the opinion that they just don't like to pay that type of money, especially guaranteed money, to the safety position. So this is this is from my colleague John Sheeran. Jesse Bates to play, quote, pissed off after not receiving a contract extension. This was in uh, a little bit of a sit down with the Cincinnati media in um, on Monday afternoon. Quote, wish it would have gotten done. Quote, they got Sam Hubbard's deal done. I wish I was the next man up. I'll play my part this year and see what happens. I need to continue to show with my play. I'll be a little pissed off for sure. So, uh, he he was very active as well. It was in on a number of plays on Sunday. Um, playing pissed off is, is I guess, for lack of better words, that's what Jesse Bates is saying, and that's how he's performing. So he is a player that is key on that defense. Um, there are a lot of – and I thought, just in general, we'll talk more about this tomorrow with John Sheeran and myself on the Deeper Dive show, but I thought that each unit, each respective unit of the defense – seem to be gelling and playing a lot better with each other, at least yesterday, particularly for it being week one, particularly for all of the weapons that Minnesota has on offense. I, I feel like the defensive line was getting the push, was getting the sacks. I, I think, you know, they had a small handful uh, that uh, on Sunday. And then, of course, you had the linebackers making some plays. I mentioned Davis Gaither doing some some nice things in pass coverage. Jermaine Pratt getting the fumble fumble forced fumble and fumble recovery. Uh, Logan Wilson out there for a number of snaps, and he was calling the plays, as we saw during summer. So, And then, you know, you had the secondary. I know Eli Apple had some issues uh, out there, but, I mean, the secondary was making plays. Awuzier had two passes defended, and uh, they were making life a little difficult for Kirk Cousins uh, in, on Sunday. So, you know, there were, yeah, and big Jim Slade here says Ricardo Allen looked good. Yeah, I mentioned he had a pretty good PFF score as well. Um, so, that um, I think I think all three units kind of played well with each other and uh, were able to kind of 
feed off of each other, if you will. So it was it was nice to see that. And of course, the depth, even with Joseph Osai being injured, even with Wyatt Hubert being injured, the depth on the defensive line seems to be in a much better place this year as opposed to last year. You're able to work in DJ Reader, who had a great game. You're able to get Larry Ogunjobi and BJ Hill in there. And then, of course, get a lot of snaps out of Hubbard and Hendrickson, who were doing some good things off the edge as well. So um, good work by the defensive line. It starts there and works back. And uh, we knew the secondary was going to be one of the stronger points of the team, and, and that proved to be so. Uh, let's see, where do we want to go next here? Uh, let's talk about fourth down calls. Now, there were, I believe, three attempts in the game, fourth down attempts. The Bengals were successful on two of them. One was not successful. Um, the one that was not successful was a questionable call. I think a lot of people like the aggressiveness from Zach Taylor on that one. The one where he went for it on his own 30 yard line and the Bengals did not get it. Uh, others, I really, really, it was nerve wracking, but I really, really liked the idea of the Bengals going for it on fourth down in overtime, kind of saying, we're not playing for the tie. Uh, it, it was, they were uh, around midfield in their own territory, but um, they, you know, they decided to go for it and they weren't going to play for the tie and there was over a minute left. So if they did not get this play, the one that went to Uzama uh, for 32 yards, that they were going to give the ball to the Vikings with good field position. And in all likelihood, they were going to make a couple plays and potentially kick the game winning field goal themselves. So uh, Zach Taylor did not go for the tie. He wasn't playing conservatively and did not do so all game. It paid off for them twice, backfired big time once in the third quarter when the Bengals had a 21-7 lead. Um, There's an article on Cincy Jungle particularly talking about the one in overtime. I'll pin that in the live chat for you there. Um, but basically it's, you know, CJ Uzama uh, was was the hero right there. And um, here's, here's the quote via Ben Baby afterward. Bengals tight end C.J. Uzama said Joe Burrow wanted to run the fourth down play in practice earlier this week. They redid the rep because of something in Uzama's route. In three years, I've never gotten that ball. It's a good thing that we did it again. And uh, we can give you just this one real quick to build off of that article on Cincy Jungle. If you want to credit Zach Taylor for that, you can. But apparently, Joe Burrow was the one who reportedly changed from a run to that pass to C.J. Uzama on fourth down to set up that winning kick uh, and really kind of threw him open to use a football cliche. Um, just kind of let him, let him, let him and uh, put some air under it. And it was it was a great play. It was one that I play action on fourth and inches in your own territory. Uh, it's a gutsy call, whether it was Zach and Joe, whether this is accurate that Joe Burrow changed to this uh to this play here, um, I don't know. It was uh, it was it was a really really neat. Um, you can see here. Here's here it is right here. Speaking to him by phone after the game, I told him I said at that moment he's changing it to a pass. Sounds like you were right, Burrow said laughing. So, yeah, seems like it was Joe's decision to make to go for it that way and uh, get that big play. So you gotta and and look th- that particularly if, if that is the case, that is particularly a gutsy call because I mentioned that Joe 
had that injury earlier in the game. And after that injury, if you notice, the Bengals were going a little run heavy. They were they were trying to protect him. Joe had the five sacks. He had been hit a couple times. He got up limping after that one time. And after that, I think Zach Taylor said, we're going to hand the ball off more. We're going to lean on Joe Mixon a bit more. And so this, fourth and inches, in all likelihood, you would have thought they were going to give the ball to Joe Mixon once again. And uh, gutsy call. And it paid off for the Bengals big time. A, a stellar, stellar win and a stellar play to C.J. Uzama from Joe Burrow. Let's transition as the Bengals now move into week two. It's going to be interesting because last week uh, Chicago lost to the Rams on Sunday night football and Andy Dalton did not have a great game. There seems to be a little bit, even though Matt Nagy is a guy who has really come to the defense of Andy Dalton and proclaimed him all off season. He's the starter. He's the starter. He's the starter. Um, They had Justin Fields come in for a handful of plays. Andy Dalton struggled a little bit. Now there's been no announcement that Andy Dalton is not going to start week two against the Bengals at home, at his home in Chicago. So we're, we're all expecting Andy Dalton to, to suit up and start against the Bengals. But I think we're also expecting now based on what we saw Sunday night, that Justin Fields will be featured in this game. How, how heavily we're not sure, but that seem there seems to be the, the the situation where the Bengals will see two quarterbacks, their, their defense will see two different quarterbacks on Sunday. But even with the win and Chicago's loss, the Bengals are a uh, three point underdog to the Bears in Chicago. So this win did not make believers of a lot of folks. I didn't get this article up, but additionally in Pete Prisco of CBS Sports, his power rankings, if I remember correctly from this morning, it looked like he had the Bengals only at 25 in which they were moved up maybe a spot uh, from his previous edition of that before the, before the games were played. So Bengals 1-0, they head to Chicago as a three-point underdog as of right now. Obviously, that can fluctuate a half point either way, depending on which, if you are a better, which outlet you use. But right now, Bears are favored by three. So um, I I don't really know how I feel about that. It's a little surprising, I guess. But I guess usually when you get two or three points, that's usually uh, if if the two teams are seen as pretty even, this that that three point kind of spread usually goes to the home team, so that's just kind of how Vegas and their lines play it. But we will we will see if if the Bengals are able to not only cover but outright beat the Bears in Week Two, and of course we'll be covering that on the podcast channel and on CincyJungle.com. So keep it there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. One last tidbit of news as it concerns the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals waive Donnie Lewis with an injury settlement. So he was placed on IR before the regular season. Um, But 
he uh, he is no longer with the team after getting an, uh, an injury settlement. He was a first-year player of Tulane and was placed on injured reserve before final cuts. Um, so he was a seventh-round pick out of the Browns a couple of years ago. He was on their practice squad as a rookie, um, and then they waived him last year. He signed with the Bengals in the middle of last year and was on their was on their practice squad, then signed a futures deal with the Bengals. But he is uh, Donnie Lewis, no longer with the Bengals. He was signed an injury settlement with the club. So in case you were, you missed the games in the AFC North, you didn't get to check a lot of different uh, things going on and, or maybe you missed what happened last night, a wild one in Las Vegas as the Ravens took on the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. Here we go. The two teams that a lot of people thought would be the two worst teams in the division, the Steelers and the Bengals, are sitting up top at 1-0 with wins that a lot of people did not think they would get. The Steelers beat the Bills, surprisingly, in Buffalo, 23-16. to um, There were some turnovers by Buffalo, a couple of ridiculous catches by Pittsburgh wide receivers on these contested bobbling catches that ended up being big plays. Um, so that really kind of was the difference there. You see the seven point, seven point game, the Bengals, of course, as we know, won in overtime, the Browns had a lead on the Kansas city chiefs, let it slip away and lose, um, 33 to 29 tough one for them. there. Baltimore Ravens, 33 to 27, a wild, wild game last night in Las Vegas went to overtime. It looked like the Raiders had won it. It was called back at the one yard line uh, on a touchdown was called back at the one yard line. Derek Carr throws uh, an interception a couple of plays later, the Ravens get the ball back. And then there was a, you know, it looked like they were driving the score at some point. It was a little back and forth. And then uh, Lamar Jackson inexplicably fumbles the ball on a hit, a quarterback hit by the Raiders. Um, and then, uh, Derek Carr floats a ball up to his wide receiver and Zay Jones, actually a guy they got in a trade with Buffalo and that, that did it. So, Hey, Bengals are up top tied at the division with, uh, in the AFC North with the Steelers Ravens and Browns respectively at O and one. And then of course the Bengals play the Steelers in Pittsburgh week three. So that will be, especially what happens this week, that will be a very, very intriguing game to watch there. Yeah. Neil Townsend said that game was epic. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit more. It, you could see at the end of the game last night that Lamar Jackson was pretty dejected in terms of uh, you know, that fumble and all kinds of different things. I saw him, what I thought say on the bench, Hey, after they, right after they lost, basically it, it, the camera panned to him and he said, you know, this one's on me type of thing. Um, felt bad for the guy. I really did. But basically he said, you know, this is the fumble at the end there that ticked me off. Jackson said of his fumbles, um, which was from the Baltimore sun. I hate any type of turnovers. It happens in football. Uh, he had 235 passing yards, a touchdown, and 86 rushing yards. A lot of people are saying he didn't look great. There were a couple of missed throws, to be sure, but he still is electric when running the football and ad-libbing. So there was a couple of big plays there. That's always going to be a threat with Lamar Jackson. And, of course, when the Bengals play him twice this year, they have to be better at corralling him than they did than they were in so many other games. But uh, such a, such a great talent 
is Lamar Jackson. Had a little bit of off throws and and whatnot yesterday. Max Crosby for for Las Vegas is uh, he's turned into a really good player, really good player. So um, at any rate, that uh, that's kind of a little bit of a snapshot with the AFC North. Got a couple of other NFL headlines to get to you. Then we're going to hop on out of here. Unfortunately, a lot of injury and or uncertainty with a lot of different things here in the NFL. The Broncos, Jerry Judy is placed on IR. So is uh, Ronald Darby, their cornerback. Bad news there. Um, Darby injured his hamstring against the Giants. And Judy had an ankle injury. Um, Judy's injury is not season ending, uh, but and Darby is expected after that three week absence required by short term IR, which of course is a new rule in uh, the NFL. So they can kind of you can kind of do some different things. IR doesn't automatically mean you're gone for a really long time or the entire year or whatever. So um, they will in corresponding moves they will elevate Nate Hairston from the practice squad as well as Kendall Hinton to replace Judy. But Jerry Judy uh, had a pretty good game against the Broncos, an ankle injury, and, of course, one of those great receivers in the 2020 draft class. So he is going to be out for a little while. Um, Not sure if that's going to be that three-week thing or if that's going to be a IR return after a handful of weeks there, but he will not be out there for the Broncos. Kind of a big blow to them there. Man, this thing in Houston with Deshaun Watson is not not fun, um, at least not for them. So Houston actually won a big divisional game against the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday, but that was with Tyrod Taylor at the helm because of all of these off-field things with Deshaun Watson. So um, the expectation throughout the facility, this is on NFL.com, the expectation throughout the facility at NRG Stadium is that Deshaun Watson will never take another snap for the Texans. He's demanding a trade um, and is facing 22 civil lawsuits right now. Um, Still ongoing investigations and whatnot. That seems to just be very, very slow moving on that front. Um, GM Nick Casario says, quote, I've had multiple conversations with Deshaun in training camp. Like I said, his attitude has been good. He hasn't been a problem. He hasn't been a disruption. So we're going to take it one day at a time. He's currently listed as the third string quarterback on the team's depth chart. Um, He's been interacting with teammates, but obviously they are giving um, the practice reps to Tyrod Taylor, uh, the bulk of them to be ready right now. So, just a weird and uh, very, very odd situation with with Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans there and one to keep monitoring. And then, of course, unfortunate in, uh, injury news for the San Francisco 49ers who had a bunch of injury issues um, last year, a bunch of injury issues. Raheem Mostert to undergo season-ending knee surgery. Also, his uh, Raheem Mostert's wife, I think took to social media and and said that all kinds of fans and others were, um, you know, making some really, really awful comments to him and his family on social media. And it's just terrible that things, um, things have gone that way. But uh, he initially, it was supposed to be something with, it was going to be a six to eight week 
absence type of thing, maybe, you know, a short-term IR type of thing. But again, he's opting for season-ending surgery following the injury in Sunday's 41-33 win in Detroit. So for fantasy footballers, kind of a a little bit of a, a bloodbath in terms of injuries to some important players and some high picks potentially in your leagues. So something to monitor there. And of course, much more importantly, we hope that all those players heal up quick come back and end up playing well for their respective teams. That's going to do it for me. It's, we still got about, we, we still had a 30 minute episode here. I went longer than I actually had att- intended to, because I've got a ton of other things going on, but I always want to get to you. I didn't get to a post game show because I was at the game. It would have been very, very difficult to do that. Um, and, uh, but I hope you enjoyed the, the great one by Ace and Zim on our podcast channel. So check that out. Um, and then of course, I didn't get to do the the water cooler chat on Monday. I, I might kind of probably still will do them on Tuesdays just so we get the Monday night football context within the show. So check the, check that out. I, I think we'll be doing them Tuesday more likely than not. But at any rate, thanks everybody for tuning in. We've got the deep dive show coming tomorrow night with John Sheeran and myself. We've got listener questions live on Friday. We're going to do a little bit of fantasy football information for you as well. And that'll be on the, the channel as well as all the great stuff from Ace and Zim on the Oranges of the New Black podcast and Chalk Talk from Matt Minnick, all on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel. Get the channel how you can on your favorite audio streamer. Subscribe and leave a rating if you could. And of course, you could subscribe to our YouTube channel right around here. Click that little icon to subscribe and click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new stuff is available and all of that. It's great to be talking football with all of you again. Great to be talking about a Bengals win. Great to have been in person at that game and meet so many of you and all of your great complimentary words that you gave me about the show and what we do on, on cincyjungle.com means a lot. And uh, hopefully we will see you soon out there in Cincinnati. If not, Thanks, everybody, for tuning in live. Thanks for listening afterward. We're going to be bringing you all kinds of different stuff to cover the Bengals in this exciting 21 season. Take it easy.